HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program is brought to you by Cloud Ride, the first vape juice with flavors created by a James Beard award-winning chef. For more information, visit cloudridevapor.com. I'm Erica Wides, host of Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The devil runs his groove in rhythm and blues that's him. It's gonna get you Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Damon Bolte. And my name is Souther Teague. And we have our good buddies in the studio today. Um, it is, I can't believe it's been five years. This is like one of those. I know. It's like a live action, like uh, Facebook flashback thing. You know, like, <laughs> Your um, memories today. Yeah, man. Um, so, well, I, we got to jump right into it. Um, there's a bunch of. <laughs> Delicious looking things on the table. Yeah. And, and I don't really, I, I recognize a couple of them. Actually, we should probably start with one of them, which is Underberg. Yeah. We're going to have Underberg to start this show. Because we can't talk about bitters or the new book Amaro without a having a little. Here the dog with some Underberg. Let's go. With Brad Thomas Parsons and Ed Anderson of the Bitters Book fame. And now um, a new book. We've got the uh, Amara book that's out. Yeah. So, dude, let's. Let's talk. Yeah, I've got to take this one down. Oh, my God. (laughs) Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me back, guys. Great to see you both. Yeah, likewise. I I I can't even believe it's been five years. Yeah, you just mentioned that Bitters came out five years ago. And you said it was what was the month that came out in twenty eleven? It came out November first, twenty eleven. Mm-hmm. So, you know, Amore opened in March twenty first of, of two thousand eleven. So just a few months later, it seems like mm-hmm. it. Like I don't know. That's crazy. That's amazing. I'm happy to hear. No, the time flew. You know, I was I was fortunate enough that the book has still has some strong legs, and I was doing a lot of promotion and a lot of talking about it, and that's why it took me a while to get to book two. But I'm uh, here. We are. Yeah, man. <laughs> You got to do a lot of uh, traveling for this book throughout Italy and, and Europe, so that's I, yeah. I, I mean, it made me want to write a book, so I could just do that. You know, like it's a big, <laughs> it's a big. It's definitely everyone says, "Oh, lucky you! You picked a book about tomorrow, so you can go to Italy." You know, the reality is, it's it's work. You know, it is it, sure. it, it is it is. You know, any, I have a day job in publishing, and any time off I take is devoted to to research or the book or articles I'm writing. But this was a great trip. Ed and I, who's here with us. We spent about 11 or 12 days um, doing primary resource interviews, traveling. Obviously, we couldn't hit everywhere, so coordinating that trip was really challenging. You sort of 
find, okay, so-and-so can meet with us. We're starting here and then adding people and someone's only available on a Thursday and then looking at maps. And we drove the whole time. We didn't take any trains and mostly Brad drove. Yeah, yeah so, <laughs> exactly. So, so yeah, so we you were the taster. So we started in, in Torino, which is like the home of Vermouth and a lot of Amaro and, and the old world and went to Milano and traveled across the North to uh, Friuli with our friends, the Noninos. And then we didn't make it all the way South. Unfortunately, we would have needed another week or so, but we made it to book three. Yeah, we went to Scully Pacino to see the Maletti family, and the Varnelli family is not too far from there. And then we wrapped the trip up in Rome. And then in domestically, you know, I did a ton of bartender interviews and producer interviews, and we traveled a lot. And shooting the book, we shot it in Italy, and photography also took place here in New York. With you guys both participated, uh, respectfully, respectfully, respectively, and respectfully. And we uh, shot in Seattle, where I used to live, in Chicago. So we got some great uh, bartenders in action and location shots. And uh, the book, you know, Ed, you know, Ed really helps bring that book to life. When you're looking yeah, at a word, a word doc of double space times Roman, and then you start bringing it to life. So we have a little shorthand style when we work together, and. And uh, when he's on other shoots, he comes and crashes with me in New York like he's doing now. So I get to see a lot of Ed, which is great. So we've really formed this creative partnership that brings helps bring the book to life. Yeah, it's, it's really beautiful on the outside and the inside. I can't wait to dig in. I haven't. Yeah, I've, I've only seen the cover so far <laughs> and a couple of a uh, couple pages inside. But it's a really beautiful cover. Like the photography, just just like Bitters, man. It's a beautiful, beautifully shot book. You know, I was just thinking, you know, it, in the last five years too, um, that. The books that I see behind, like, pretty much every bar I go into are Bitters and the PDT cocktail book. And they really stand out, I mean, like, design-wise. But then I was thinking about it earlier today on the right here that those two books are not – they're not really made for beginners. You know, like, the, like it's, for instance, like, the recipes that are in the PDT book, yeah. you yeah. have to really, like <laughs> – yeah. You have to go for it, and like you have to do all kinds of crazy prep and infusions yes, yeah. and things like that. And different, like very few recipes that are just go go make a drink. It's yeah, make a thing, liquor cabinet, make a thing yeah. to yeah. make a drink. It's not just a bunch of stuff you have lying around like classic ingredients. It's like you got to go make the thing first, like you said. And and bitters is the same way, which is really cool. And I think I think that's why you see so many bars with those books behind them. The reference, it's a reference guide. Yeah, and it's they're they're inspirational for like new ideas. Yeah, because we there's plenty of. I mean, as we know, there are plenty of books that have been around for the last 200 years yeah. that have, you know, your Martinez and your old-fashioned things like that. And so, yeah, I've definitely taken a lot of inspiration from Bitters, so I can't wait to check out tomorrow. But I'm, the way I imagine it, it's probably not necessarily like – since since with making Bitters, you essentially are making an infusion uh, most of the time. But with Amaro, there's actually a distillation process. So it, is there some uh, uh, information in this book about, like, the production? Yeah, I, t- I mean, it It really depends. Like, some are distillates and some are using uh, a neutral grain spirit or a wine base or a brandy base. So some is distilled again, but a lot of it is maceration and infusion and then adding a sweetener. So it's a similar concept as making bitters, but it's potable. So you have to make it more you, balanced. Yeah, you have to balance it and... and Studying, like, so in this book, unlike Bitters, where I had a dozen-plus homemade recipes, I really tuned it down and have four DIY recipes for making your own Amaro, which are really look at a seasonal approach, like winter, fall, summer, spring. Oh, cool. Because studying botanicals can be a lifetime of research. And, sure. and speaking with a lot of the people, 
They've been doing this. I don't have a lifetime left. <laughs> no, they've been doing four, five, six generations. <laughs> you got the book now. I'm already... So meeting with these families who've been doing it for for decades and generations, it's silly to think like I'm going to put out a dozen recipes of how to. And and they, I never want to say a clone like this is your Fernet clone or this is your Averna clone. It's more taking inspiration from the seasons and and even in Italy now, you know, originally it was it was really driven by local regional. Uh, Amaro using local ingredients and then going back, you know, generations, the the spice trade opened that up. So you're using ingredients now new to you, not necessarily regional. But the truth in reality, we discovered and in t- interviewing people and talking about it is, you know, the history of that kind of mom and dad making their own Amaro at home is really not happening much anymore. And it's they see Amaro as their grandfather's drink or their father's drink, and they're drinking Jack Daniels and kind of poorly made cocktails. Red Bull. Yeah, and we did discover <laughs> some great cocktail bars in Italy, but when we were telling people, you know, we're doing an Amaro book, they were sort of like... Oh, you're historians? Yeah, well, they were like, why, why, and stuff. So so talking to producers, I think it's like when I would when we'd visit these places that had a wall of unavailable in the U.S. tomorrow. You know, I was geeking out and just imagining, like, what would you guys do with all this different Amari? And, Drink it. And meanwhile, they're like, what are you looking at? What do you need? And, you know, it's, a, it's like three or four major brands are what's selling there, and most of it is exporting to, you know, like, to other countries. And and American bartenders especially are leading the charge in you showing the versatility of Amaro beyond just a digestif and using it in cocktails, either as a base or as a modifier to bring sweetness or balance or a, a fun herbalness. So, so Italian producers are loving the American craft bartending scene, and they're bringing it back to Italy and other places. But that's the thing about it. it's like this, you know, historical tradition. But I'm looking at it filtered through my American point of view. So I'm not pretending I, right. you know, I've been doing this for hundreds of years like these people have. But in a lot of places we visited, we were the first American journalists, so to speak, that came to see them like like maletti does tours for school children just to show like a factory you know like this oh, is yeah. a factory and meanwhile like <laughs> they rarely have like journalists to come and just spend the day there and, and even when we went to amaro nonino they're known primarily for their grappa and no one had really come to talk about their amaro so we saw Which that is a, a beautiful lot. amaro it's one of my yeah favorites. oh it's one of my favorite and it's El- a gateway amaro it's definitely yeah. an amaro you can turn people on to very elegant expression and using their grappa knowledge to bring it to it so it just we found like a lot of them would make grappa or they'd make limoncello or vermouth and amaro was one anisette a lot of make anisette, anisette yes yeah. yes very, yeah the maletti's like for all sure. come in from anisette and that's what they're known for oh and they have an amaro in the portfolio so we're seeing some interesting things going on over there. But, yeah, it was – and like you said, with Jim's book, we shared a gentleman rivalry because rivalry, our books came out in the same day. But I think, you know, I wanna, as a writer, you don't want to write a book and just have it be disposable or disappear. And so seeing it have the legs and seeing it put to use um, even after someone might read it or dip into it or having it, as Souther said, as a, a resource, a reference has been a real honor for me. And seeing it myself and – Having people like text me photos from their travels, it's 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 really cool to see it out there in the wild. Yeah, you know the one of the things I've noticed about the Bitters book is that that's really cool. It, and like you said, as a like a reference book, I've noticed that book more so than others. People taking the liberties of writing, taking notes in the book, like yes. writing their notes in the book. Have you noticed that too? Yeah, well, I, I really said that in like the, tweaking recipes in the DIY. You know, yeah, it becomes their own. Yeah. yeah, the DIY recipes, I say right in the book, these are templates, you know, like like use what's in season, use different things. And I get a lot of feedback like, oh, I dialed up the citrus in this. It wasn't, you know, I did this and that. Or instead of coffee, pecan, I just did the pecan. And 
And and I, I really like that. And even cocktails, too. Like, you know, I have cocktails in the books that might come from a bartender. I'd say, like, 10% of the cocktails are my own, and the rest are contributions from bartenders or restaurants. And, you know, when I, like, I may have, you know, Jeff Golly at Prime Meats, like, make one put on the menu. He's like, oh, we dialed down the sugar a little bit, or we did this. So I, I am up for that. You know, like, I don't think anything should be draconian or fundamentalist in that. And I, and I, I have that. You know, that's a source code freedom. And like, here's the concept. And I follow the recipe exactly as the bartender gave it to me and I test it. And I don't really make tweaks unless I have a question like, did you mean this or that? Because sometimes translating a bartender recipe to, to sure. home use can be, you know, I'll say like, make this syrup, but it's like gallons of it or something. So like, you know, scaling it down. Yeah, how, can I, how can I make some? So he's like, take, a cup. take a bunch of pineapple. I'm like, well, how much pineapple? Is something, you know, right. so, but yeah, so I like the freedom of templates and it's not an excuse of like, oh, but I, I like it to give them a template. Here's the basics of how you do it. Here's some suggestions. And the certain things they'll say like, oh, I can only find gentian powder. I'm like, well, don't use that. You know, like I'll yeah. give tips like use the solids, use the wood. Um, you know, you, you say hops, what kind of hops you mean. So some people come back to me with really great questions. If it's like, oh, I need to clarify that more or I'm um, really answer. But I do get a lot of emails about that where I'm making this and I can't find dot, dot, dot. Can I use this? And I'll either say yes, no, or. Well, that's that's a, that's kind of the earmark of a great reference. You know, like like I had a hand in writing the book. I'm just here for the food with Alton Brown. And we didn't try to write. Here's a recipe book. We tried to write. Here's a technique book. Here's a chapter on grilling. Here's a couple of grilled things. Now go out and grill. Right, so you're, you're making, yeah. you're, your book is more like, here's kind of how it's done. Now go do it, rather than here's here's the recipe. Stick to this. Stay stay in these lines. That's kind of like well, when we had Martin Kate on, um, you know, his book has like all the recipes are like, here's West Indian, uh, age rum. Yeah, like West West Indies age rum, and it's like, well, here's a whole page that is a key of all mm-hmm. the different ones that you could use that could plug into this recipe. Right, it's kind of like yeah. Do what you will with this. Do you ever think about like doing a revised copy, like for for something like like nailing down like this certain hop that you were using? Yeah. In the bitter? Well, there's definitely there's things called you know corrections where if you see. Uh, yeah, I've type. been in I've been in that facility. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. Yeah. Where you, <laughs> no. Where you see um, whether it's a typo, very few, or or. Um, you know, like there was one. I won't say there's any of this yet, but uh, you know where <laughs> yeah. you accidentally. Say put ginger ale in the shaker when you meant to say top it or something. So those things could get fixed in the next printing. But in terms of a second edition with all new content and revised, I did talk to my publisher about that. And there is sort of a if it ain't broke, don't fix it sure. model that the book's still selling strong. Sure, absolutely. there isn't a reason to revisit Probably it. Probably best to just start another book and put exactly. Your in that so way. yeah. So I mean, so anything that's like a there's never uh, there's never been a case to have to put an errata in where you say you know this was wrong or something that you know you need to do this or that. But I, I have taken that feedback to heart and anything that's come up and I keep file even for the and the thing about a book as you guys probably know is you know when I turned this in like in January I think or something this year and since then like Bruto Americano has come out you know all yeah these, that's, that's what I was going to say if there were any like, revision to the first book bitters it's just that there are now oh, yeah, more bitters so, many, so I get things like hey you didn't include this bitters I'm like well that came out in 2012 you know my book came out in 2011 yeah. so it is frustrating that it takes so long and but you know I was talking to when I first turned in bitters I ran into my friend Peter Meehan at Momofuku one night, and I was just like, oh, I'm, I'm stressed because, like, all these do-bitters are happening, and the book's going to be dated. And he was just like, a book is a moment of time. You know, it captures this period of time, because you look at the first Momofuku book, it ends with the first co-menu, and, like, look what's happened since then. Sure. So so I think, um, you know, I try to, you, 
one reason I think or I hope the book has legs too is that I don't just say here's a great recipe for brunch or here's a great recipe for Fourth of July. I try to tell a story and a good narrative, whether it's dropping some historical facts about it or putting the drink in perspective of how the bartender came up with it. Um, so I, I try to. I think that's a good head note, as they say, the, the text before a recipe is a way to tell a story. So I really, writing 100-plus of those is like writing a short story each time. And so I try to bring that to the technique of the actual recipe. But, but yeah, so bitter, like Souther said, bitters would be tough to revisit. Not tough, but um, it would be a whole new book. It's not yeah. just adding six yeah. new bitters. Um, you know, there's some technique things I might tweak, but... It's more about the to have a current directory. It really would have to be digital to be 100% sure. accurate. But I do have, for this book, I've been cataloging. And like I interviewed um, Lance at St. George, but, and he didn't tell me he was launching it. You know, he was just like, I'm working on something. But it was rumors he was going to do a Fernet. And then suddenly this Bruto Americano Aperitivo comes out, which I love. Right. Um, and another thing I talk about in the book and personally I'm excited about is the domestic Amaro, the American-made Amaro. Um, because Italians, many Italians I talked to were like, it can't be called Amaro if it's, unless it's made in Italy. They're very yeah, well. fundamentalist about <laughs> that. No, I know. So they're like, Angostura Amaro cannot be called Amaro. So I, there's a lot going on with the American Amaro now. So like my, my kind of wish to see a Pacific Northwest Amaro, a Southern Amaro, a, you know, Southwest Amaro, a New England Amaro, it's happening. You know, all aren't perfect yet. A lot of them are getting better with each batch. But, um, you know, there's the High Wire Distilling Southern Amaro from Charleston. Yes, delicious. We just tasted this British, uh, a Vancouver, British Columbia Amaro. Um, there's a Pacific Northwest Fernet I just got samples of I tried. So it's exciting to see that. But it's also kind of sad, like, damn, I wish I could have got you in the book, you know, yeah. sort of thing. But, but yeah, so a long answer. But, you know, I would like to revisit it, but it's also I'd like to move on to other things, too, you know, and, and take yeah. on other projects. Absolutely. Yeah, of course. Well, let's take a quick break. And when we get back, we'll continue talking with Brad Thomas Parsons and Ed Anderson of the new book, Amaro. Back yeah. with you. Music for this commercial break is brought to you by Rectech. And this one's called Fat Tony. This show is brought to you by CloudRideVapor.com. They make different e-cig juices, and they have all these flavors that are created by a James Beard award-winning chef. And tested by scientists. <laughs> One white coat to the next. <laughs> That's right? right. So, yeah, we today have been talking with Brad Thomas Parsons of the book Amaro. Amaro, And yes. I was just, I just had the idea, man. Like, maybe we could pitch this to uh, CloudRad. Maybe they make, like, an Amaro-flavored juice. juice. Oh, my right? gosh, this is great. Yeah. What a great idea. Like a nice sort of bittersweet, yeah, what, like Gentian? Was it Gentian Man, vape? Yeah, I, th I, think, uh, I think we got a, I think we have an idea here. We need to get these guys in the room. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. So uh, if you go to the website, it's cloudridevapor.com. You can get 20% off of your purchase with using the uh, code SPEAK, as in the speakeasy. Uh, so go check them out. Cloudride.
And we are back. You're listening to The Speakeasy. And in the studio today, we have Brad Thomas Parsons and Ed Anderson of the new book, Amaro. And we talked a little bit about the, you know, over the past five years since Bitters came out. Uh, but let's start getting into some of the, without giving the book away, let's talk about some of these Amari that you uh, encountered on your travels. Because yeah, you got I'm any... sure, like, like you know, when we go to, like, Tales of the Cocktail or go on a uh, Kentucky, like, bourbon tour, that we end up with too many bottles to, like, bring home yeah. with us. I'm sure you probably had the same problem. Well, in the book, the one thing I sort of, I, I talk about in each section, everything in the book is available in the United States. So. Cool. I'm not talking, it's not an A to Z of every bittersweet herbal liqueur in the world. I mention a lot you can't get, but it's frustrating even in a cookbook when you can't get a certain ingredient. So, so yeah, so unlike bitters, which are smaller bottles, you can throw, you know, I have a little kit I can carry around a bag. You're talking about these big, you know, yeah, full size, le- full size liter bottles. Potable bottles, yeah. And so when we went to it, and I pack heavy as it is, you know, like I already had a big giant bag. And when the, in the generosity of many of these Italian families we were meeting, we would leave with two, three bottles, you know, of, and some of it was like some, some rare stuff you can only get in Italy. And it was just comical. Like the trunk of our Volvo was just like rattling with booze. And, 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 and sadly at the end, you know, I think I made 13 or 14 bottles back and I had to buy, we, uh, we went to a sports, pretty good store, but like a couple of like Ocean's Eleven style Adidas bags for like <laughs> yeah. heist bags, and we kind of spread out our bottles. And and but yeah, so it started. We started in um, Torino. You know, we landed in Milan and drove up to Torino. And uh, Fulvio Piccinino, who you know, some people call like the Dave Wondrich of Italy. He's a <laughs> uh, drink scholar, especially his vermouth. He's written a book on futurist mixology. Uh, he's a scholar on vermouth, and we just found the generosity of people saying, oh, you should talk to so-and-so. So as soon as they said, hey, we're coming to Italy, he was like, meet me, I'll take you. And he wanted to take it. He took us to this distillery uh, just outside Torino, and it was called Antica Distillery Qualia. And it has been around um, for a very long time, and the recipes date back to 1890. And they were making vermouth. They were making grappa. And they had, so So I brought, like, this Caladol is a bottle that... Um, they just kind of gave us as a have a have a thanks for coming guys kind of trip or, or, or gesture and and i there's no information on this online at all and and so when you taste it you know you kind of see like it, it really so so fulvio was telling me that it was like a digestive they made like the old guys had after dinner drink that they brought back and now they only make about 500 bottles a year it only goes to the local wait, bar. wait bottles or cases bottles <laughs> 500 bottles that go to the local Whoa. bars and restaurants so you're only really going to drink this if you're Whoa. in that area in that region so i'm gonna pour lightly so for 500 those, bottles yeah so for those kind of things i really just like that it's it's um a piece a little piece of history a little great story coming back with you um so yeah so if you want to give that a taste you'll see it's Cool. It's really light. Bursting menthol yeah, off the nose menthol. as I'm pouring, and the oh whole room's God. starting to smell like menthol. And the mint is local. It's a, to really show the sense of place in Piedmonte. Holy crap, man. It smells amazing. So it's light, too. Uh, the ABV is... is, is it's uh, only 16%. Yeah. Jesus. Ooh. So would you use that at the bar, Souther? Or is it... Absolutely. Um, wow. This is just super bright mint. I would. I would... Yeah. I would, this would be a mint replacement. You know, we don't use anything fresh at Amori Margo with the exception of twists from citrus, but this would be a great way to get a minty, you know, bright menthol flavor. Mm-hmm. Wow. Like in place of like a creme de mint or something like exactly, that. Exactly, which I also don't use. Right. But and this, this is, is something, sadly, he was telling me recently that, oh, they're thinking of stopping doing it because 
the financial crisis, more restaurants are closing in Italy and bars. And so it's fun. For me, that's worth risking spilling in your bag and getting back and paying extra baggage. And and then this uh, other one. Smuggling. And then (laughs) truthfully, a lot of things. Bootlegging. A lot of things I brought back were because of cool labels. You know, you'd say like. I don't know, you know. I'm always fascinated by yeah, model so labels. like you see a deer in a mountainside, and that tells you this is going to be alp- an alpine tomorrow. Yeah, there's always a story. To there's be told. a little hint or clue. So this lion, the one with Amaro Martinez. So this came about after our trip. We were having dinner with Fulvio, and this guy and his wife come over um, and just join us. And and turns out he's the he's the great grandson of this Amaro maker from 1908 in the same region, just outside Turin, and. They stopped production, and then he found a bot original bottle in his mother's wet bar, and started making small batch versions to share with friends and family. And then he brought it out fairly recently. It's all natural. It's got a little vanilla cardamom taste to it, and it, the proof's a little. It's a thirty eight percent ABV. So these were two that like Fulvio turned me on to. That they say it's you know frustrating you can't get here, but I think it's exciting to have a little taste of of the region yeah. in particular. Um, but yes, yeah, so, so then, you know, so we, like I said, it was funny and sad and funny, but near the end, like when we were finally boxing up our stuff, you know, we did shipping stuff would have been impossible. So, um, right. our, the hotel, uh, housekeeping got some nice tips in, in terms of not anything super <laughs> yeah, but rare. But, yeah, but the, the problem with that is you have to imagine that they came in and they were like, what's this garbage? Yeah. And you know, and one, and a, <laughs> what's it, this? Something my grandmother, my grandmother would have drank out, out it goes. And I think the biggest that we found too, which was really interesting Going to the more corporate places, surprisingly, uh, were very corporate. You know, you weren't allowed access to the archives. You were only allowed certain parts. Uh, well, these guys are, I mean, I, these, I battle with these guys all the time with their super secretive nature. Like, oh, absolutely. You've got proprietary guys. recipes and a corporate. The Colonel's level. 11 spices. No one's ever going to know. But we found <laughs> the smaller town, the smaller the family, it was almost like a grand parade. Like when we finally made to Escoli Pacino to see the Maletti's family. Um, you know, there's Cafe Maletti in town, named after their great great grandfather. You know, it's like that. They're part of the town, and they've been there for years and years and years. And they brought back like the the town's head bartender from he was on vacation. They had him come in so he could work with us, and and and, and local bartenders came out to see us. So it was it was such a warm welcome. And the biggest surprise was you know we, we did the tour, we interviewed them, and they brought out these giant handmade wooden cases where they did a bespoke one and only first time they ever did a large format Maletti Amaro for me and a, and a large anisette for Ed Amazing. and so we were like fl- flabbergasted but we were also like how the hell are we going to get this home and so you know whether it's a break so um, I yeah, think, it's we left him behind and it broke my heart and I was oh, like man. he's like no but but there's a happy ending but so he's sort of like they will always be there for you when you come back and then Matteo, when he came to the states, he surprised me. He got, he got it here somehow. So I'm happy. Oh, wow, to, cool. So I'm happy. He's awesome. Yeah. So he he is. They did do a number two that is in the states now. That because um, people saw it when I posted photos that will be uh, uh, cracking at my book party. So uh, nice. we'll have some nice large format Amari. Cool yeah. man. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, I'm talking to uh, Maletti and Varnelli about going and visiting uh, in the spring, actually. Oh, it's great. You'll love it there. It's amazing. Yeah, I didn't get, I, I've interviewed Orietta Varnelli in New York. Mm-hmm. She was a little upset that we were there, but our schedule, it didn't see her, but our schedule was down to the, the yeah. day, each day. So, yeah, it's people, and people since, like, one of Damon's friends, a bartender friend who I met recently from San Francisco, I was able to get him into the Distillery Branca Tour. And uh, so some things, they're not quite open to the public, but... 
if you can ask nicely or put your name down. Um, so I say it's not like going on vineyard tours. It's very much they're kind of like stopping their business and letting you right. in. Um, not all have uh, visitor centers and galleries. Some do, but um, but yeah, Lucano just opened a visitor center at their distillery, so they're very excited about that. So so yeah, I think I think they're you know the younger generation are really the ambassadors for the brand, while the fathers and the second and mothers we found were more reticent to talk. They just right. kind of like, enjoy it. We don't really want to talk about yeah. it. Like, Ed, Ed, Eduardo Branca in my bar a couple of weeks ago when he was in town. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, we, we had a lot of hard starts. And he was like, we well, got to come to the come to the distillery. Well, you, well, you remember we brought the, Ed, Ed and I, Eduardo gave us the personal tour. And we didn't realize who it was at first. He kind of came down, saw this guy come down the stairs. And we thought he was just like, Coming from marketing or receptionist, and, so, and then and then his father, the other count, came by, and I was like, and, and they dressed someone addressed him as count. And I'm like, oh, that's Eduardo. And then because he kind of was a little, at first he was like this, this, this is that, and then he warmed up. But at the end of the tour, you end in the bar, and he's like, do you want a Fernet Branca drink? And I was like, well, we have to do a hard start. So we brought the hard start to Milano, and and he <laughs> kind of winced when we shot it. He was just like. He's like, you Americans and your shots, you know, we sip here. But it was it was a lot of fun to, <laughs> to, to do that there, kind of bring uh, the ultimate boomerang from uh, yeah. Brooklyn to, to Milan. Awesome. <laughs> the hard start, which, by the way, is 50-50, right? Yeah. Menta, Bronco Menta and, and Fernet Bronco. Yeah, 50. Oh, cool. There's a fun little, you know, in addition to the history, surveyor purveyors, and cocktails, one section in the book has about a dozen recipes. I'm calling, you know, 50-50s, equal part, usually Amaro Amaro or Spirit Amaro. The hard start is really what started turned me on to it, but there's the Ferrari, the Maserati, these kind of combos, and it's a real the quick and quick. CIA and dirty. I saw was in yeah, there. it's a real quick and dirty Tony, section. Tony Guffey. It's a lot of fun. So I think you, know, you can just do them room temp, equal parts, pour pour. You can chill them. When I have the Nobad, it's a little more elegant when they present them. You know, they stir them and and strain them, but it's just a fun way to. Uh, to keep Amaro going in a, in a way that's like, uh, you know, there's so many. And the one thing I, I, I really took away from this, too, was the lack of of standards and how it's served. You know, it's like even within families, like th- gra- grandpa drinks it warm. So-and-so drinks it with seltzer. Someone likes it with ice. Someone likes it neat. And if you go to a restaurant and say, can I have an Averna? You don't know how it's coming at you. It could yeah. be in a, a brandy glass, a wine glass, a rocks glass. could be chilled. So... I think it's all people say, like, what's your favorite one or how do you like to drink it? It really is about the sense of place, who you're with, what the occasion is. But certain ones, like the sweeter ones, I like a chilled glass for a little vis- viscosity, but sure. neat, neat is fine. A mar- Lucano and tonic with lime has been like my summer drink. Just yeah, So it's too. a way to bring these. I was just thinking this would be great in tonic, the one we just yeah. had, the Caledol minty and then tonic. And so it's just a great way to bring these like perceived end-of-meal murky digestifs into a the front of the, the meal too. And we've talked a lot about like yeah. the botanicals that go in them are really doing the same thing to your body. It's about when you're drinking it. So if you're hungry and you start with one, it's going to open up your appetite and get you ready. Well, if you're full, it's the, the same kind of action. What's happening to your body yeah. is doing, depends what's hap- when you're drinking it is doing different things. But... Jump starting your digestive. Track. Yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's cool, man. It's, it's science. It is science. And it's also just stuff that we stumbled upon as a, as a species and, and didn't really understand why it was doing what it was doing, but it, but it, but it does. Magic. Yeah, it is magic. Um, yeah, it breaks my heart. You know, when I travel out of country, which is only, you know, I've only got a few experiences, but um, it breaks my heart to think about what you were just talking about, how, like, for instance, when I was in France, it turns out that less than one half of 1% of all the cognac produced in France is drank in France. Yeah. They don't drink their yeah. own juice, right? So you're telling me that, like, 
the, a lot of the bartenders are like, what do you want to drink that for? It's what grandpa drinks. Yeah. yeah it, but yet over here, we're like clamoring, crawling over each other to get to it. Well, I talk about it in the, in the book, but there's one. But we, we drink our own juice. We drink bourbon and rye. Like, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. We, were, we, we have pride and we own everything else, too. We were at this cool <laughs> cafe called uh, Cafe Luce. In, in, it was designed by Wes Anderson. So it looks like one of his movie sets. It's like turquoise and pink and it's sort of a cafe so there's soda fountain there's drinks and we went in there and ordered a bunch of homemade bitter sodas they had so ed was setting up a shot at the table and this older woman italian woman was watching us and she was like what are you two doing what are you americans doing and we said oh we're shooting a book on and she's like you cocktails you do it best in america why do you come here to shoot cocktails and so it was like it was pretty funny so but yeah it was a surprise you say like when you're like a whole you know a book on tomorrow why sort of thing so it was a interesting but yeah so i think i think that's you know if we're the benefits of that it's great but it would be great you know they've they've moved on to other things but i i hope the tradition and the popularity of the topic you know, rising tide lifts all boats. So I think hopefully we'll see more, but I think the Americans are really embracing that concept of let's have a regional America tomorrow. Yeah. Love, love that. It's finally cracking into our vernacular as a, as a drinking group. Um, so the book is going to launch on the, the the launch parties here in New York city on the fifth. Yeah. October, October 11th is when the book comes out. Yeah. And, uh, and then I'm uh, going to be out on the road uh, on the Bitters Trail. I've got some fun events lined up with with some bars and restaurants and a combination of guided tastings and talks and more bar takeover parties and but partnering with some, some fun people across the country. So Maybe we'll get you in to do another signing at Amore Margo. I'd love that. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, But I, I, I hope to see you guys in, in around the New York stuff. Yeah, the, yeah. the party is on the 5th at the... F- well, it's invite only. Oh, so, okay. yeah, so that was not open to the public. There's but, no party. No yeah, party. So no party. No but, party uh, here. You didn't hear But, but yeah, walking. I have no, on the pub date on October 11th, there's an open to the public event at Mayalino. So oh, do, that's the one I was thinking Yeah, yeah we're yeah, doing yeah. A, a happy hour takeover. So there'll be some friendly price tomorrow cocktails and some gratis uh, chiquetti snacks coming around. We're going to do some complimentary tomorrow flights and tastings. And okay, So it cool. should be fun. That's at 6 o'clock on the 11th. At Mayalino. Yeah, yep. Great, great restaurant. Great tomorrow selection they have there already. Yeah. Um, yeah, this has been enlightening. Can't wait to get the book. Uh, well, here it is in front of me, but I can't wait to get well, into the book. Well, you guys, you know, used to say you were a big part of, of you know, and you guys through writing bitters and researching bitters, and you're excellent resources for this. So that your generosity of time and interviews, talking to you and your hospitality all around, behind the scenes and in front of customers is greatly appreciated by Dude, me. Happy to help, as thanks. always. Well, thanks, thanks for getting this information together and compiling it so... And packaging it so beautifully, also. Yeah. Like, yeah, thank you so much. Uh, well, I just wanted, I wanted to touch on one thing, though. You know, Bitters took the James Beard Award, and this book is extremely handsome. I haven't read it yet. How do you, do you think you're going to be in the running again? <laughs> I can't answer that. No, no. <laughs> no um, it's a, uh, as I said, the cocktail book landscape is a lot more crowded than it used to be. Um, there's some, not to look at it that way, but there's a lot of uh, my colleagues have some strong books coming out this this season and earlier this year already. So I really can't look at it like that. If it happens, if I'm nominated, if anything, I would be honored, of course. But um, when you publish a book, you can't really think like that. Yeah, of course, like I didn't course, with Bitters. Course. It was a nice surprise, and and I was thrilled to death and forever grateful. But um, if you go into it saying I'm going to win an award with this, you're usually going to wind up not happy. So right. I appreciate the question, but I think I can't, yeah. I can't say that without sounding like an idiot. <laughs> what I really think. <laughs> Uh, well, it's certainly a handsome book, and we can't wait to get it. It's uh, out by 10 Speed Press. 
Um, do want to mention before we wrap up the show, Damon, uh, we have the Heritage Radio Network fall season launch party yeah. to go to uh, coming up on uh, the 25th at La Pizio. I'm probably butchering that La pronunciation. La Pizio. La Pizio. There, it sounds better <laughs> like that. Um, which is uh, over in the East Village. You can go to the Heritage Radio Network website and grab yourself a ticket. Come over. There. We're going to have some great sponsors there. Um, we've got Plymouth Gin, Amaro Montenegro, um, Cuddy Sark Prohibition, Novofoco Cachaca, as well as um, the um, the... Copper and Kings, uh, all yeah. sponsoring. So we're going to make some great cocktails. Uh, there'll be some food. Uh, tickets are available on the website. Please come see us and launch our new season. Yeah. Um, and I'll be just around the corner at, uh, Amar- at Amoria Margo doing my monthly event, Two Weeks Notice, uh, which is where we close the bar down, take 60 reservations, and do three cocktails paired with snacks as a, as a prefix. Super fun. So lots of stuff is going on. Lots of stuff's going on. We're moving into the fall busy season. Let's get it on. Yeah, man. And we've had so many authors on the show recently, man. It's been awesome. We've had, like, an official book month on here. Yeah, that's what we're doing. Yeah, so, so definitely check out uh, the book tomorrow when it when it drops. When it drops on the 11th, yeah. Um, yeah, thanks, guys, for being in the Thank studio. Thank you so much. Today. Thanks for coming back, yeah. man. And congrats on the book. It's beautiful. And can't wait, like oh, Souther said, can't wait to crack it. Until then, uh, I guess we're we're we'll wrap it up today. We're wrapping up today. Yeah, so. next week's episode will be another book, Robert O. Simonson and his book, A Proper Drink. Yep. All right. Book month. Book month. <laughs> Nerds. All right. So check out Heritage Radio Network for many other programs like this one. And until then, cheers, guys. Cheers, guys. Stay cheers. better. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music. Save your soul The groove runs is grooving That rhythm and blues That's him It's gonna get you some in the end Thanks for listening to this program On heritageradionetwork.org You can find all of our archived programs On our website Or as podcasts in the iTunes store By searching Heritage Radio Network You can like us on Facebook And follow us on Twitter At heritage underscore radio you can email us questions at any time at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.